You're listening to Advancing Our Church. The school just met so much to too many people just to let it fade away. We look at it as part of our mission to just support Catholic education, you know, it's all part, all part of the same thing. Very bottom of the letter, she said, I just needed to tell you gentlemen that you changed my life. It makes us feel great that we're helping society in a way, you know, and, 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 uh, and changing lives. Hello and welcome. I hope you're having a terrific week. I am so glad you could join us for our third episode of Advancing Our Church. I'm Jim Friend, and we are a Catholic stewardship and advancement podcast dedicated to the missionary spirit of the new evangelization. And today we're going to talk about Catholic education. This week, Pope Francis was in Cairo, and he told 250,000 Egyptians that true faith is one that makes us more charitable, more merciful, more honest, and more humane. He said that it moves our hearts to love everyone without counting the cost, without distinction, and without preference. It makes us see the other person not as an enemy to be overcome, but as a brother or sister to be loved, served, and helped. Isn't he great? You know, our country and our world is full of such conflict and controversy right now that this message is so timely, really, for all of us. And we need to pull together and look to make peace in our world. And Pope Francis's message is just so timely with our topic today. So let's get to work. According to the National Catholic Education Association, in the 1960s, there was 5.2 million students attending Catholic schools across the country. Today, there are almost 1.9 million students. And so there are a variety of reasons for this decline, and there are numerous efforts happening in schools and dioceses around the country to increase enrollment, and we're going to discuss some of those in future episodes. But the fact remains that many Catholics have witnessed their Catholic schools close, and it can be heart-wrenching and devastating for students, parents, and alumni who not only benefited from a great Catholic education, but also were strengthened in their faith in God and found a community of friends that lasted a lifetime. When that happens, many people can become disenfranchised with Catholic schools and even sometimes with their faith in the Catholic Church. But our episode today is about a group of guys who followed Pope Francis's message to love others without counting the cost and who overcame the closing of their high school and decided to create a ministry that has touched thousands of people. Welcome to the Doghouse in Eddystone, Pennsylvania in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia the home of the St. James High School Alumni Association, home of the Bulldogs. St. James High School for Boys has been closed since 1993. And since that time, they've raised and awarded over a million dollars in scholarships for Catholic school students and given additional funds to a variety of charities in the Delaware Valley. Today, there are 1,600 dues-paying members and the organization has been honored locally numerous times. In 2015, the Alumni Association was inducted into the Foundation for Catholic Education's Hall of Fame. Their choir, the Blue and Gray Voices, was also named Outstanding Fraternal Organization in 2011 by the Philadelphia St. Patrick's Day Parade. And in 2012, they received an apostolic blessing from Pope Benedict in recognition of their support of Catholic schools. And lastly, and probably their greatest honor to date, was having a regional elementary school in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia named for them, St. James Regional Catholic School. 
In March of this year, I visited the Alumni Association's beautiful two-story facility in Eddystone, and I sat with the president of their Alumni Association, Mr. Michael Ritz, class of 1971. Here is my interview with Michael. The school just met so much to too many people just to let it fade away. And um, so the so school closed in 1993, mm-hmm. and then when did all of this begin? Right, uh, almost immediately. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the alumni association got together and said because there was always an alumni association, it was basically run through the development office at the school. Uh, so fortunately, because uh, the Alumni Association started in 1940 when the school first opened. There was a database created. So we had something to begin with in 1993. Um, I always stayed uh, involved as far as making donations to the school. Of course, uh, always attending the St. James sporting events and things like that. Um, but the, the, the crazy thing is, for myself, the four years I went to St. James, I really not got, I really didn't get involved in much in the school. Uh, I was in a band, and I was working for WFIL and WIBG radio stations, the record hops. We were playing at different record hops, so I didn't have time to get involved in anything in, in the school. So I think we had something like 9,884 graduates in 53 years, and I think if you had to pick the person who was going to be running the alumni, almost 25 years after the school closed, I would have been 9,884 on the list. Um, but my involvement uh, came as pretty much as a surprise to me. Uh, the school closed in June of 93, in uh, uh, right around September of October of that same year, um, a newsletter came out and said that there was old yearbooks for sale. And um, I had had the 71 yearbook when I graduated and I wanted to get the three before. So I contacted the president at the time, uh, Bob McLaughlin, class of 63, and I said I was interested in uh, getting the other three yearbooks. Um, And he said, we have them and how would you like to get them? And I said, well, I see you have a meeting next week at St. Joe's uh, in Aston, uh, where Monsignor Degnan, uh, Father Degnan at the time, gave us a place to have meetings. I said, I'll come by and I'll pick them up. So my intention was to go there and pick up the yearbooks and come right home. I told my wife I'd be home in a few minutes. Uh, when I got there, uh, Bob McLaughlin asked me to um, to stay for the meeting. And uh, right away I'm thinking, trying to think of an excuse to get out. And uh, uh, I, I got to admit, I was pretty interested in what was going on because it was a very diverse group. There was guys there from the 40s to the 90s. And I says, you know what, let me let me see what these guys are up to. So I decided to stay for the meeting. And uh, that was my first meeting in October of 1993. And um, they started talking about how all these sporting good companies were capitalizing on the idea that St. James closed. They had shirts and things made St. James forever and was making all this money. And, of course, the alumni wasn't getting anything for it. Um, so I raised my hand, introduced myself, and said this was my first meeting, and made the suggestion that they start their own sportswear program. And Bob thought that was a great idea and immediately made me chairman of it. And um, by the time I got home, my wife says, what took so long? And I said, I'm chairman of the sportswear committee. She says, I knew it, you know. Um, So that was my first meeting in October of 1993, and I'm proud to say that uh, in all that time, 
Uh, I've only missed one meeting uh, in 20, almost 25 years. Uh, and that was because I was on vacation in Italy. But um, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that three years later I would, they would come to me and ask me to run for president of the organization. Uh, but I was uh, I was very humbled by it, and uh, uh, they promised me it was only going to be a two year term. So that's one of the reasons I decided to do it. And uh, I'm just uh, I'll be finishing up my 21st year this year as president. Uh, but um, so how did um, so it began with with kind of some organizational meetings, yeah. kind of after the school closed yeah. in the fall of '93. Um, what how has it evolved over the last 23 years? It's you know uh, we've we've grown so much and uh, which is great because uh, for a school that's been closed for next year will be 2018 will be 25 years uh, to be as big as we are. I mean uh, back then I think we had about 110 active members. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some sort of a dues program, but uh, when um, the current group of officers uh, took over. We uh, expanded the dues program, and now we're close to 1,700 members here, dues-paying members. Um, our plan was to keep um, the traditions of St. James uh, alive. As a matter of fact, our, our mission statement says to perpetuate the memory and spirit and to keep alive the ideals and traditions of St. James Catholic High School. And secondly, and equally important, to um, uh, support and promote Catholic education in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Nice. And we just, we just knew that the school meant too much to us. And people ask us today, why do you guys keep doing what you're doing? You've been closed for 25 years. And how did you get to this point? And, and, we, and, and it's funny because a lot of people have the same answer. If you didn't go there, we can't explain it to you. And I think what it was, it was the camaraderie because you had fathers and grandfathers and uncles and cousins and brothers who all went there that had the same teachers. We had teachers that were there for 30, 45 years. You all had the same teachers. You all had the same experiences. And I think that's what you know meant so much to us that we weren't going to let it just fade away. And our original goal was to support Catholic education, keep our scholarship program going. Uh, of course, we expanded it from just supporting boys who were going to St. James to including young ladies, opening it up to all the high schools in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And, uh, and we're very proud to say that, you know, in May, we awarded our $1 million scholarship uh, since 1993. And uh, and besides that, we still have about seven other charities that we support. We have some orders of nuns, and uh, uh, of course, we still do our our annual blood drives, our biannual blood drives. Our um, varsity club, which was a club that was at the school, we expanded on that. We call it Varsity Club Two now, where we uh, Thanksgiving around the holiday season, we collect turkeys and canned goods and distribute it to uh, people who need it. This year, we supplied over. 6,000 Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, we, at Christmas time, uh, we gave away over $10,000 in toys and clothing uh, to different organizations that need it. So in addition to our scholarship program, 
we've expanded and, and we've become a basically a full-blown charitable Catholic organization. We incorporate it. Um, we, um, we run it like a business. Um, I was asked recently by someone too, in the, in the 21 years as president of the organization, what do I think has been my greatest achievement? And uh, I have the, the same answer I give to everyone is, was the fact that I was able to surround myself with gentlemen who shared the same vision I had for the future of this organization. And that's what makes it work. We work as a team, uh, we run it like a business, and that's why it's been so successful. It's fantastic. And we're sitting here in the doghouse, which uh, yeah. is is a is an incredible building. Tell me a little bit about uh, the history of this of this facility. Uh, when I took over as president, uh, we were basically working out of my office at home, and uh, we um, we did have our meetings at St. Joe's in Aston. Uh, and as the organization started to expand. Uh, we thought it was time to uh, get our own place. So one of our members uh, had an insurance business up on uh, 322 in, in uh, Chichester Township, and he had a three-room, an extra three-room office in the front of his building, uh, and he offered it to us. And we, uh, we, we made a deal with him, and uh, we purchased uh, some furniture to put in there, and uh, we were basically running... Uh, the Alumni Association out of that three-room office, even though we were having our meetings someplace. But we thought, wow, we've got a, th- we've got a, we've got a, a place that we can call our, our home. We, and we named it the Doghouse, and uh, and we thought that was it. It was on a major highway. There was a big sign outside, and you know we just thought that we've made it. We've done it, you know. Uh, but we realized real quick that we were outgrowing it. Uh, so um, Jim Connor, who is the vice president of the alumni, uh, he put together a committee, a building committee, to search for a building. And uh, this one was brought to our attention. It was the Eddie Stone Boys Club. Um, the problem was the building was vacant for three years. And um, to, uh, to call it a pigsty would have been a, uh, would have been a compliment. All the roofs were leaking. Uh, there was mold and mildew and water on the floors, and it was just a mess. And uh, we came in and we looked at it. We uh, found out that the roofs were going to need extensive work, and uh, so we sat down as a committee and we discussed what we would offer for the building. And it turns out that their lawyer was a St. James guy, and our lawyer was a St. James guy. So um, we. Uh, we knew that uh, we were going to be able to work something out. And um, we went to the office that night and we sat down with the members of the Eddie Stone Boys Club that were still left, the board members were left. We made them an offer and, and told them that, uh, what we were going to do and uh, how we would you know, have, have them hold the mortgage for us. And we worked out and we negotiated a great deal with them and uh, uh, we were able to purchase the building. Uh, I remember when we came in here the first day and we brought everyone in to demo it, uh, people looked at us like we were crazy. They said, you guys are nuts, you know, and I said, you just don't see the potential. I said, we're going to strip this down to the cinder block walls, to the metal ceilings, to the concrete floors, we're starting over. And we're going to bring in members from the trades, and some of them are going to donate their time and talent and treasure, and we're going to make this happen. And um, 
we did, and we were fortunate enough through the generosity of our members and the various fundraising activities, we were able to, we purchased a building in 2003, and we were able to pay off the mortgage in 2013. So we now own this magnificent facility, and uh, it's used as the headquarters for our uh, charitable work. And, uh, you know, we have a beautiful chapel, uh, meeting room, you know, conference room, uh, our wonderful award-winning blue and gray voices choir have a place to rehearse and uh, um, we do a lot of rentals here we're actually booked up to 2020 which says a lot for you know how great the building is because people keep coming back and uh, so that that that's able to help us with our uh, cost as far as insurance utilities things like that so um, it's 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 been a great facility we've had other alumni come and uh, other organizations come to see it and uh, of course sit down with us and um, talk about what we do how we do it and why we do it uh, I know some people have even suggested to pay us for our advice but we look at it as part of our mission to just support Catholic education you know it's all part all part of the same thing so absolutely um, so you give out a number of scholarships uh, mm -hmm. to different families. Tell me a little bit about that, and, and maybe tell me about some of the kinds of the kinds of families that you're able to help. Well, right now we're supporting 35 young men and women uh, with partial four-year scholarships at five different Catholic high schools. Right now we have students in uh, uh, Monsignor Bonner, Archbishop Prendergast, Cardinal Hara, Archbishop Carroll, West Catholic, and Bishop Shanahan, and. Um, these students, um, of course, our scholarships are, are based first and foremost on need. Um, we've developed, uh, through the great work of our scholarship chairman, Lou Robinson, class of 68, and his committee, uh, over the years have perfected our scholarship program to the point where we actually have other organizations come to visit us to see how we do it. It's hard because we, they read these applications they read these requests, and they want to give. We want to give a scholarship to everybody, but we can't. We're limited by by our funds. It's been a great program, uh, and the parents come here. They get involved with the organization. So, it's just been a, a fantastic program for us, and we've expanded it over the years. When I first got involved, I think we were giving ten scholarships at five hundred dollars a year. Now we're giving thirty-five at two thousand dollars a year, so we keep expanding it year after year. Can you think of uh, maybe one student that stuck out to you that made an impact on you? Yeah, you know what? We get letters from the kids, and we get cards from them every year, Christmas time, and all. Well, I had a, and we read them at the meeting because we want everyone to know that these students appreciate it. But I remember getting a letter one year from a young lady; she was graduating uh, college. And the letter started off, Dear Mr. Ritz, I felt the need to write this letter. She said, eight years ago, I wanted to go to Archbishop Prendergast High School, but my parents couldn't afford it at the time. She said, you gentlemen stepped up and awarded me a four-year scholarship. She said, I received a great education at uh, Archbishop Prendergast High School, which in turn got me a scholarship to college. She said, I received a great college education, and now upon leaving, I have a great job waiting for me. She said, because of your requirement of community service, she says, I'm still involved with three community groups. So uh, 
so as I'm reading this letter, I'm kind of getting choked up, thinking to myself, well, you know, everything that, that, that she's accomplished. And at the very bottom of the letter, she said, I just needed to tell you gentlemen that you changed my life. And I'm looking out at the guys and I could see them, you know, tearing up a little bit. And I was choked up reading the letter. And I looked at them and I says, you know what, guys, we don't get paid for this. I said, but when someone tells you you changed their life, I said, it's worth more than any paycheck in the world, you know. But that's the kind of letters we get uh, when these kids um, uh, graduate. They'll send us their thank you letters. And we try to tell them, stay in touch with us. Let us know what you're doing. We had one uh, recipient go on to be a priest. We had another one to go on to be a Navy commander. So it's like, you know, it makes us feel great that we're helping society in a way, you know, and, 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 uh, and changing lives. And that's what we're doing. Um, are there any um, famous alums from St. James that come to mind? Yeah. Uh, uh, Ray Didinger, class of 64, R. Diddy, you know, uh, the uh, commentator uh, for, uh, he, used to, he used to be with NFL Films. Uh, of course, we had uh, some pro football players came out saying change. Joe Klecko, class of '71. Um, uh, Steve Corton, uh, who played uh, for the '76ers, um, played basketball. And uh, uh, but we had uh, Frank Gallagher, who uh, class of '61 from St. James, who played in uh, in the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, he just came to our life membership dinner last year and gave us a gold football in honor of the 50th anniversary of uh, the Super Bowl. Um, each member who, anyone who ever played in a Super Bowl game got a gold football for their school. So, of course, he gave it to us for the alumni, and um, we have that on display here at the, at the, uh, at the building. So, yeah, there was several, uh, I, we had several uh, pro uh, football players, uh, one basketball player, pro golfer, Ed Doherty from the class of 65 who played on the, the senior tour. Um, and uh, uh, like I said, we, you know, we were a blue collar school. Uh, so, um, I mean, there wasn't a lot of famous people, but uh, we, uh, we had our fair share of uh, sports. And, uh, and we actually have a gentleman who discovered a, a, a black hole in space and it's named after him. So uh, every year, every year we do a, uh, a kind of like a Hall of Fame thing called the um, Wall of Honor, and um, we get to learn a lot about um, the people who graduated from St. James. Every year, I, we we try to induct anywhere from you know fifteen to twenty twenty two people every year to try and catch up since you know our school's closed. But it's amazing when you find out how many talented people came out of St. James and not just in sports, just academics, doctors and lawyers and, um, that, that have come out of St. James and have done fantastic things donating back to the, the their own communities. And um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's just been, it's, it's a great experience, just that dinner every year, just hearing about, I sit there in awe of some of the things that we find out about some of our graduates. Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, it was a blue collar school from you know, a small city in southeastern Pennsylvania, but uh, it, it had its fair share of uh, giving back, that's for sure, you know, with everybody that was involved. Mm -hmm. so. what, what do you think is um, kind of 
kind of a, a, a not a very commonly known fact about your alumni association? What, what's something that people don't know that you think they should know about? Well, the thing that amazes me is the fact that, you know, almost 25 years out, there's still people out there that don't know we're here. We're still here, you know. And uh, I know one of the things that uh, uh, we're planning for next year, uh, we don't want to celebrate the fact that St. James closed 25 years ago. But we do want to celebrate the fact that we're still here. So, you know, our, our mission says keeping or one of our, our uh, taglines is keeping the spirit alive. So next year it's going to be keeping the spirit alive at 25. So uh, but it's amazing how many people, yeah. we, you know, we've been lucky. I mean, we're getting to a point now where I like to say we're kind of like in the maybe late third quarter. Um and people ask all the time, what's going to happen when the last guy goes? Um, and um, it's, it's amazing that even though we're losing uh, anywhere from 80 to 100 graduates a year, uh, we're still maintaining that level of membership because we're, we're, there's not a day that don't go by that somebody new don't join, you know? And... Uh, so we've been able to maintain that level of membership for for the last couple of de- you know for the last couple of decades and 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 it's just amazing but the, it it always amazes me that there's still people out there that'll join and say I didn't know anything about it. I, somebody told me, my friend told me that we have a we have a, a doghouse and we have this and we have you know and it's it, it, it's it's funny but. Thank God. I mean, we're we're still able to be where in the you know where we're at today. So can anybody join, or do you? Anybody can. Actually, yeah. we have an associate membership group called the Friends of St. James, okay. and um, uh, we have about two hundred members uh, uh, that are members of the Friends of St. James, and uh, um, it's it's an annual membership. Um, you can you join as a as an annual member and. Uh, you uh, one of the benefits of it are, are there are some benefits and one of the benefits is you get a discount on hall rental if you ever rent a place and uh, but the the biggest benefit is you can serve on committees you can run fundraisers you can attend the meetings um, you get a membership card and it gives you an opportunity to say I'm part of the great work that these guys do in a lot of cases it's parents of kids that went to St. James or, or relatives. Uh, a lot of our wives have joined. My wife is a member. Uh, she's run a couple fundraisers for us. Um, and because of the, uh, their volunteerism, some, sometimes the companies they work for make a donation to us. Like, for instance, my wife. The amount of hours that she puts in here uh, volunteering, uh, State Farm Insurance, who she works for, makes an annual contribution to us in honor of her volunteer hours. Um, so, uh, the member, uh, it was originally started because years ago we thought, what's going to happen down the road when the last graduate passes on? So we thought if we started some kind of associate membership group now, and of course we have an endowment program that we're building, that years later we'll be able to continue to do what we're doing as far as our support for Catholic education through um, the members of the Friends of St. James. Now, we're associated with St. James Regional Catholic School, which we got involved with about five years ago. And we immediately started an alumni association for them. So we're into our fifth year there with an alumni. And we've discussed the fact 
or you know that maybe down the road when they graduate uh, high school college and all that when they reach a certain age they can perhaps convert to the alumni association here and and keep it going you know um, but we walk a very we walk a very tight line between the older members of the association and the younger members uh, where the older ones want to keep it traditional mm -hmm. and the younger members say well this is our future so we uh, it's something that we'll we'll work on and we'll we'll negotiate and we'll uh, but uh, we were happy to be associated with the school I mean uh, they adopted everything they adopted our colors our mascot our motto our alma mater our fight song uh, myself and two of the vice presidents here serve on the advisory board. Um, we gave them everything but the school seal, and uh, we did change it just a little bit uh, to reflect the elementary school as opposed to the high school. But if you look at the two seals side by side, they look identical. And um, <clears throat> when Father Bellapiti first approached me when he said St. Madeline St. Rose School was closing, and they were going to be a new regional school. I kind of knew where he was going with the idea. And um, he said, uh, even though I'm a West Catholic graduate, I've been in awe of everything you guys have done over the years, and we want to uh, honor you guys by naming the new school, giving these kids a new identity. And what better identity to give them than the one, the legacy that you guys uh, have started. So um, we met, uh, the alumni board here met, we discussed it for about an hour and a half, and of course there was a lot of questions raised. Are we going to financially support the school and things like that? And uh, <clears throat> after about an hour and a half of discussion, we took a vote and it was unanimous. And I could tell you one of a couple of our guys stood up and said, my son or my daughter is gonna be a bulldog, you know? And so they looked at it as part of the continuing legacy. And um, uh, we do, we don't directly finance uh, the school, but what we do is we help them with our influence and our contacts. We've been able to associate them with the Bridge Educational Foundation in Harrisburg. We've uh, introduced them to various uh, um, uh, foundations who have made contributions to them. We were uh, instrumental through um, our contacts at uh, St. Joe's University to give them a new computer lab there and all through St. Joe's University, helped out with that. This is an amazing group of men who are doing some incredible work. And at the end of our interview, Michael closed with some of his thoughts on why the officers have been so successful as leaders and the importance of resolving differences. And he even offers to help others who are trying to put together a similar alumni association. I'll tell you, I, I work with some great guys. Uh, and we all, uh, up until, uh, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I was the youngest officer of the association. And now our secretary is from the class of 91. But um, uh, the guys I work with, we're all from different years. And, uh, but we all, and we, and we don't always agree, you know, and, and that's fine, because we shouldn't all agree because that's what makes this place what it is today because it's we've 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 used a lot of different diverse ideas to make it work and um, and and I don't expect uh, 
everyone to do things just because that's the way I want it done. But one thing I always tell my officers is we, we try to get together from time to time with officer meetings. Sometimes it's hard because we all, we're all, you know, family activities are all going different directions, but we try to get together. And that's the time for us to discuss um, our differences. Mm -hmm. Because when we sit here at this table uh, for our monthly meetings, I want everyone out there to know that we're united up here. And I think that's why they keep reelecting us year after year. I've worked with several different vice presidents over the years. Some of them have you know, stepped down over the years and others have stepped in. And, um, and I've worked with a lot of different officers over the years. But we all seem to have that same um, uh, vision and same attitude towards what we want to what we want this organization to be like and so when we're sitting here at our monthly board meetings I want to put a united front for, forward so that these guys know that we're in control of what's going on and you can trust in what we're doing because we're all in agreement when we have our officers meeting that's the time for us to disagree when we come here that's the time to, to put forth a united front and one of the nice things now too is you can see that the camera up there we we uh, actually webcast our monthly board meetings. So with 1,700 members, no matter where you live, um, you can log on to a free account on our website, watch the meeting live. There's a chat button on there. You can send in questions. We'll be happy to answer them from the floor. Uh, and even if you can't watch it live, uh, it's archived to the end of each month. So we're That's always good. coming up with new ideas and setting the bar for everybody else. So It connects people. It's it does. Really we we does. want to try and keep people as engaged yeah. as possible. We have a website, Facebook site. Um, of course, our, our webcasting every month. We do uh, a constant contact direct email called Bulldog Bites mm -hmm. that we send out to the members to, to keep them informed. So, yeah, there's um, if you want to be engaged and informed on what's going on, you have every opportunity to do it. Last question. Um, if uh, somebody's listening to this podcast and their school is closing or just closed, what's uh, and, and they want to keep the spirit alive and they want to do something like you guys have done, what's your best advice to them? Don't get discouraged. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, we, we fought a hard-fought battle to keep the school open. And there was a lot of disappointment when, when it uh, finally closed. And even some disappointment to the... To, to the point where a lot of guys had very bad feelings towards the archdiocese and you know uh, but it doesn't have to end I mean you know we're a perfect example one door closed and another door opened would we be uh, who we are today if the school didn't close probably not so it, it, it was the end of the building you know, like I said, we're still in the game. You know, we're still, we're still um, in, involved with uh, Catholic education. We're still out there doing the things we did at school. We're keeping our traditions alive and well. And listen, I I'm more than happy to meet with any um, anyone from any other organization. We've had gentlemen here from uh, Cardinal Doherty. Uh, we've had them here from, of course, Tommy Moore, another great. Uh, alumni Association doing a lot of great things out there um, we've had their officers here we've been to their meetings so um, after 
24 years, we've already made all the mistakes that can be made, and we'd be more than willing to sit down with anybody and point them in the right direction and tell them how to go about doing it and uh, um, and uh, and help them out as much as we can. And uh, because, like I said, that's part of our mission to support Catholic education. If we can help other organizations do that, then we're certainly uh, living up to our end of the uh, of, uh, of our mission. Thank you. So, Fantastic. Jim, it's Fantastic. always great to see you. Great to see you. I want to thank Mr. Michael Ritz and the St. James Alumni Association for being on our show today. More importantly, I want to thank you guys for being such a shining example of how a Catholic education can form young people into adults who can transcend even the closure of a school and do something absolutely remarkable. For more information about the St. James Alumni Association, you can visit their website at stjbulldogs.org. Well, that's our show this week. I want to thank you all for joining us for the third episode of Advancing Our Church. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit our website at advancingourchurch.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Advance Podcast or join our Facebook group. I'm Jim Friend. I hope you all have a fantastic week. Take care, everybody, and God bless.